Good morning, College Park. It is my privilege and honor to present to you Dr. Charles Ware, the president of Crossroads Bible College and the author of the book Prejudice and the People of God and the co-author of Darwin's Plantation with Ken Ham and a contributor to many other books. It is the greatest pleasure uh, for myself to have him as a friend and my mentor. Our scripture reading today comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses, 9, verses 16 through 19. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. And it reads, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. This is the reading of God's word. Well, good morning, College Park. Amen. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate that introduction. Corey is a good friend, and uh, he and Denise have uh, ministered to our family, and uh, we have served together and definitely appreciate that uh, fellowship. I'm delighted to be here today. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 John. 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. And uh, I was interviewed by... um, Reporter for the Indianapolis Recorder. I never forget it was kind of a different interview because the first words out of his mouth was simply this. He says, What difference does Crossroads Bible College make in the community? He said, Another way of putting it is this. If Crossroads Bible College was to fold and go out of existence, what difference would it make? So that's a pretty good question. We all need to answer that question. Last night as I was preparing for this message and I was going over that question, I thought, you know, we have trained a lot of lay leaders at Eastern Star Church. I sat down and I went through some churches here in Indianapolis and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six that I just could think off the top of my head whose senior pastors are graduates from Crossroads Bible College. Two of our adjunct professors are graduates of Crossroads Bible College. There are a number of associate pastors and and workers in the church that I can see here are from Crossroads Bible College. In fact, on the June 18th event with uh, Dr. Evans and this adoptive school, we partnered with Moody Radio, WGNR. The general manager, Ray Hashley, is a graduate of Crossroads Bible College. I told him, Moody is indebted to me. Boy, I made you everything you are. But, I, <laughs> but, but there's some outreach, and there's more than that. And as I thought about people working in the urban area and parachurch ministries, so on and so forth. So I thank God that we're beginning to have that impact. But, 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 but as, as I think about that, all right, so, so you're doing it, but... But what do you really want to be known for? And, 
and, and what do you want to leave behind? And, and I was just thinking about this message as, as uh, Dale called me, uh, well, no, Pastor Mark called me and, and, and asked me to speak here. And Dale kind of clarified to serve 2010. And, and I just thank God for what he's doing at College Park with Pastor Mark. I've gotten to know him just a little bit, but love his heart, love his passion for the word of God, love his passion for Indianapolis, love his passion for the world. I just love him and love the, the relationship that we have here. And as I thought about it, here's, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the compassion of Christ. The compassion of Christ. The church, a compassionate community. My proposition this morning is simply this. The community of Christ must show the compassion of Christ without sacrificing the truth of Christ. In other words, I'm talking about biblical love. And, and I just want to share with you before I get over in First John is, is simply this. B- biblical love is a biblical theme. A lot of us have missed it. A lot of theological debates, a lot of uh, constitutions for churches. We'll talk about things like the form of church government. We'll talk about things like the mode of baptism. We'll argue and fight over a lot of things, but I haven't seen too many who would nail it down and put it right in their constitution and say, one of our goals is biblical love. Yet, as I consider it in the scriptures, it's a pretty prominent theme. In fact, if you like apologetics, I don't know who you like, Robert Zacharias or whoever you like apologetics, you like to defend the faith? Try this one. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How? By your love one for another. Seems to be a pretty prominent thing. How about this one? In First uh, John three fourteen, we know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's assurance of salvation. How about this one? The aim, the goal. What's the goal of our biblical teaching? Where are we headed anyway? Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God, thy whole heart, soul, and mind. The second like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Love has a pretty prominent theme there. In... Um, First Timothy chapter five verses uh, chapter one verses five through seven says the end of the commandment, the end of our teaching, where we're going when we put the Bible is love out of a pure heart. Pretty prominent theme. What about motivation for service? In First Corinthians twelve through thirteen, uh, actually fourteen, talking about spiritual gifts, and we talk about gifts with a person's ability to preach. We talk about their gift of administration. We talk about we talk about a lot of gifts, and that's the way we operate and run our ministries. However, First Corinthians twelve thirty one says, "I show unto you a more excellent way." Going to thirteen, you know, you can speak with them. Voices of men and angels and have not love. You can give and sacrifice and have not love. Love is a prominent biblical theme. It's commanded by Christ and it originates from God. So as I was thinking about this 
assignment this morning to share with you from the Word of God. And I'm going to 1 John. 1 John is a great book on fellowship. I won't take time to turn there this morning. But if you go to 1 John 1, and, 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 and John says why he's writing this book. I'm writing this book that you might have fellowship with us. And sure, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And so we're talking about fellowship. We're talking about people who've been born again, brought into a living, dynamic, experiential relationship with the living God. And he gives two great Character traits of God in First John. One is, he's the God who is light. That is holiness, righteousness. He's the God who is light. He who says his fellowship with the God who is light and walk in darkness, lie and does not practice the truth. But there's a second character of God in First John. And that is, God is love. So I want to take this and I want to talk about it. One aspect of the application of it as we find it here in 1 John chapter 3. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. First point I want to make about this compassion of Christ is the compassion of Christ. That is, A, Christ is the model. You want to find love? You want to see love demonstrated? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to look at? Who are you going to look to? Well, a lot of times you can't look to our theological documents because they don't mention love. A A lot of times you cannot even look at our lives because we don't live love. But if you want to see it, go to Christ. He is the model. By this we know love. By this we perceive love. This is the way we understand love. And notice what the text says. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Here's love. That Christ laid down his life for us. Someone has said, self-preservation is the first law of physical life. Self-sacrifice is the first law of spiritual life. Christ demonstrates that for us. By this we know love. We've got his model. And we see that Christ gave himself for his church. The brethren, those who are saved by the grace of God. Those of us who were sinners who should go to hell had no hope. We were, we were pitiless out there on the, in, in, in the world and lost and, and, and needy. And Christ died for us. Here in his love, not that we first loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation or satisfaction for our sins. Aren't you glad your sins are gone? Aren't you glad you got a God that loves you? Amen. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so glad that I, I've got this God who loves me. But then, but, 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 but look at the text. The compassion of Christ, the first point, Christ is the model and Christ sacrificed himself for the church. But the second point is this. The church must show the compassion of Christ. You notice there in uh, that verse 16. By this we know the love of, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. There is a, there is a, there is a moral obligation for those who've been saved by the grace of God and dwelt by the Spirit of God, guided by the Word of God. There's a moral obligation that we are, ought to love our brethren. That is believers. 
Now, we have an obligation to show the compassion of Christ, but here's, here's the meat of what I want to talk about today. The church shows love through action. The, love show, the church shows love through actions, not just talk, not just feelings, but action. Notice this text. Verse 17 says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart, how dwell the love of God in him? That's a good question. And it's one raised by a text and it's in this context and, and you and I need to look at it and examine it a little bit. It says, first of all, compassionate hands, I call it. That is who has this world's goods. Clothing, money, but it's even broader than that. The same word is used in 1 John 2.16 for all of this in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those people who have the means to live, you've got it. It's like a permanent possession. You got your cars, you got your house, you pay your bill, you got money. You you got this world's goods. Now, it isn't talking about somebody who just touched it. Some of y'all go back there and count the church offering and say, man, I got money. No, you don't. It's going to leave. But, listen, folks, in America, and especially on the north side, we got the world's goods, right? He who has the world, it's in your hands, it's in your possession. You control it. You decide where it goes. He who has this world's goods, and then it says, and sees... His brother has these seeds. You know, the assumption of this text is when we really see a need, there is a response inside of us. Emotionally, we want to do something about it. Well, let me, I thought about this text and I said, you know, there's, that's right. A lot of people, if they see a need, they will respond. But before I talk about seeing the need, I want to talk about some reasons we don't see the need. Because many times we don't, we don't see it. That's why we don't respond. Not that we're not concerned. Not that we're not thankful for the love of God. Not that we wouldn't want to express the love of God. But we don't see it. What would stop us? One, we're blinded through ignorance. That is, we don't have relationships with people of need. i never forget a friend of mine in the D.C. area who worked for a senator. And she was sharing with me that um, her church, their Sunday school class, decided to take up an offering for poor people. And she said, you know, we took up this offering. And once we got the money, we sat down and we asked the question, who are we going to give it to? She said, there wasn't one person in our Sunday school class who knew a poor person. She said, we lived in wealthy neighborhoods. We worked on wealthy jobs. We went to a wealthy church. And therefore, we didn't know it. Relationship. When you don't have relationship, when 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 you you can't see, when you don't have relationships, and therefore we don't respond. Blind it through selfishness. You take Jonah. Here's 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 God wanting to save the people of Nineveh. Wanted Jonah, Jonah to go preach the word of the Lord. Jonah tries to flee. God runs him down and gives him express through. Um, through some travel cruise agents with some well or whatever it was, spit him up on his destination, gave him a little time off the cruise ship to walk around the land. He preached. And God saved the people. Now that's a hallelujah time, right? God's goodness. 
turn that whole city around. Jonah was mad as a coot. In fact, Jonah said, I told you to begin with. I, that's why I wasn't going to go. I knew you were this merciful, pitiful God. I figured you'd do something like that. Jonah, he didn't want to be amongst them because he was selfish. Theological blindness. You know, Pharisees, Pharisees are added to the law. Added to the law that they broke the spirit of the law. In fact, when a man was healed on the Sabbath day, they got mad. What you, this is Sabbath day. You don't heal. You don't work. Jesus said, you pick up your old donkey out of a hole on the Sabbath day. Don't be talking about people. You know, you and I got to be careful when our theology blinds us. To the needs of others around us. And then there's blindness through prejudice. The Samaritan woman. Jesus himself was talking to her. Asking for a drink. She, she, she wasn't concerned about a drink. She wanted to know how you being a Jew. Ask drink of me. A woman of Samaria. She couldn't even see the Savior. Because of her prejudice. And then blindness through self-righteousness. Uh, we understand the concept of the good Samaritan. Self-righteous Levite and a priest. See a man in need and walk to the other side of the road. Samaritan had to go and minister to him. Well, those, those are some things. But the Bible says, sees, that is, perceive, that is, look upon, that is, observe the need. In the text, that's those blindness are moved. We see it, but whosoever has this world's good and sees his brother needs. But then it says, and shuts up his heart from him. That is, we did see the need. We did have the relationship. We did run into it. We, it's right there. It's a need. But we shut the door. We lock the door of our own compassion. Really, not even our own compassion in this text. It would be the compassion of Christ. He saved us. He indwells us in the Spirit of God. He opens our eyes. He moves us and says, do something. We say, no. Why? Well, I was thinking about some reasons why we don't meet legitimate needs that we see. One is the confusion. We don't know if it's a legitimate need. They were driven by people on the corner, you know, homeless, need money. Have you ever been torn between that thing that some people say, well, some of these people out here are not really homeless. They're just tricking people. Or some of these people who are down there, if I gave them money, they're not going to buy food. They're going to go buy drugs and alcohol. So we're confused. And then we just, we, we, we want to help, but we're confused. Don't know if this is the right person to help. Sometimes we just say, it's not my responsibility. I don't have to deal with it. Sometimes social justice can fall into this category. Helping people legally who are being abused by the legal system. Some of you might not know anything about this, but my students try to educate me every once in a while. For my good, they say. But um, they used to tell me about DWB. They said, you get up in Carmel, Zionsville, Noblesville, you got to watch out for DWB. What's DWB? Driving while black. I said, oh, okay. They said, they'll pick you up. My son, Tim, has had a few run-ins down in the inner city on that, by the way. But about two years ago, I was in Zionsville area, I think it was, and I had a a meeting with a friend at Logan's Steakhouse, and 
and it, I, I saw it from the main road, 37, and I had to get off and get to it. And, and I was trying to, I got off and was trying to get to it. And I, I had my cell phone on, talking to a friend I was going to meet with. I had my turn signal on because I was going to have to turn left. And I was about to go over, and all of a sudden, shoom! Police car and lights flashing came around my left side. Scared me half to death. I thought, boy, if I'd have turned, I'd be dead, Lord. I'd be dead. I don't want to die. But anyway, he came and uh, he talked to me a little bit and all that. Want to see your registration, see your driver's license, fine. He didn't do anything, so that's good. But I was so shook up about it, I said, I'm going to get off the road and find out how to get to Logan's. So I, I pulled off the road and then a truck pulled up behind me, a white guy. He said, did he give you a ticket? I said, no, no, no. He said, I was watching everything. You didn't do anything wrong. He said, I own a store right back here. He said, I took his license plates. I know his supervisor. It, he said, he said, he said, if, if, if he gave you a ticket, I, I was going to call right now. I said, see, although he's white, he probably heard about that driving while black. So he helped me out. But. But sometimes, you know, we, 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 these things are there. What, what about redefinition? Oh, no, wrong time, wrong time. Just not time. My schedule's too filled. I remember we had a gentleman, Pastor Thumpy, came from India. He just came to America by faith, went to some meetings. They, somebody told him about us. We were in Washington, D.C. area. He came, stayed a week or so with us. And um, he just was so excited about meeting people to serve God. And he said, I'd like to go and see your capital. I said, I'll take you down there. I ain't got a lot of time now. I said, I'll give you my tour. My wife don't like my tours because you say you want to see the Capitol. I drive you by it and say, that is the Capitol. We keep on moving. 25 cents you. So I gave him my tour. But I did feel bad. You know, he wanted to have a t- picture taken so I had to get the picture. But I told him this. I said, look, when you come back to America, email me. Give me some time. You come back, I'll take you around. I'll show you everything I can. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. He returned to India, and he was on an Air India flight that went down, and everybody on it was killed. And I never forgotten that. I was too busy to interact with him. Told him to come back later, but there was never to be a later. What else can cause you to call off your bowels and compassion? What about redefinition? How can we look at a child? Then a mother's womb and abort that child. What can, what can help your, how can you do it? This is a helpless child in need. Well, we redefine it. We said it's not a life. It's a fetus. So that put our conscience in need because we wouldn't, well, listen, right now we're all upset about people abusing cats. How do you figure that? We're more concerned about cats than humans. Something has happened. Shut off the bowels of our compassion. People are more eager to fight for cats than are for people. That, legal. I have a friend in South Africa. He was the second highest math teacher in all the land, taught in the largest university there. Had to flee the country on apartheid for fear of his life. He's back there now. Both he and his wife have lost sisters in a similar way. One of them was in a car with a white missionary and they were driving they had an accident the missionary's hand was hurt a little bit the colored 
was punctured, either in the chest or the neck, somewhere, bleeding profusely. Ambulance came on the scene. The missionary says, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. Take care of my friend. The law said that ambulance could only serve whites. They said, the ambulance will get her. will come later. We've got to leave. They left. She died. Legal. Racial superiority. You take Rwanda, Hutus and Tutsis, calling people cockroaches. Almost a million people slaughtered. Compassion. Closed off. Callousness of conscience can result from all of that. Notice in our text, though, it says he that has his world's goods and sees his brother have need and shuts off his bowels of compassion, how dwells the love of God in him. My little children, let us not love in word or in deed or in tongue, rather, but in deed and in truth. That, you got compassionate hands, they have the substance. You got compassionate eyes, they see the need. Then you've got a compassionate feet. They take action. Don't just talk about it, but they really take action. I want, I want you to note that um, the church must not sacrifice the truth of Christ. We need to be meeting needs. Wherever we see a need, we need to meet it. It could be a financial need. It could be a legal need. It could be all kinds of needs. But 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 God is God is saying to his people that we need to do it. But I want you to I want you to be aware of this much though, that, that the church must must not sacrifice the truth of Christ. That verse eighteen says again, My little children, let us not love in word nor in tongue, but in deed. That is action, that is our feet. We move, we do something. But it says, and in truth. That's critical. I want to submit to you that compassionate hands must never sacrifice the truth of the gospel. You and I, while we're trying to meet needs that we see around us and reach out to people, we must never allow people to tie us down and and take us away from the fact that we have truth. There is righteousness and unrighteousness. There are the lost. There are people who need to be saved. There is a gospel. There is a Christ who came and died. That is the ultimate expression of love. And everything we do must be bathed in that. We must not allow the culture. We must not allow critics to push us away from the fact that we demonstrate the compassion of Christ, but we cannot sacrifice the truth of Christ. Compassionate eyes must never be blinded to the true spiritual condition of people. Listen, you can feed a person, you can educate a person, you can get a person a job, they can be living great and they can die and go to hell. We must be concerned about their spiritual condition. And then compassionate heart must never become callous to the truth of hell you know there are churches now and evangelical churches in fact I preached at one and I was given these instructions we don't use Christian ease in our church we don't mention hell
We got to be careful. Compassion must be discerning. Compassion is to be shown, first of all, to the community of Christ. First John 3, uh, uh, 16 says, sees his brother in need. That's a born again believer. Compassion starts in your home. Compassion starts in your church. Compassion starts right here. So we must be discerning. We also need to understand the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But compassion is to be shown to all as we have opportunity. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. What College Park wants to be known for? These one of the things you ought to be, want to be known for is love. That's what I think your Serve 2010 is all about. And, and just let me share something with you quickly. Because I take this all around, the, all around the world, not around the nation. In February 1998, Matt, our son, ran to a wall and broke his neck. We were members here at College Park. I didn't know how we were going to take care of my family, how we were going to do anything. I remember this church rallied together, and, and I remember there was a call for freezers so that food could be put in freezers so our family could just pick it up. Four freezers were donated. Food was coming in every day. All we had to do was pick the food up. Bam, up. An offering was taken up for our family, $167,000. And I was told that, hey, you may think some big gifts were in but this is a lot of people giving a little bit of money. Hey, that's the church of Jesus Christ. I go all around the world and people say, you got a great testimony. Your son got a great testimony. And I say, no, College Park got a great testimony. You did that. You saw the need. You didn't close off the... Your compassion, you moved on it, you acted on it. Our family was the beneficiary of it. And as you continue on that, that track, I like this song. It says, if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian all, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my life will be worth living. College Park, you got it in the glue and foundation of this church. Just continue to live it out amongst yourself. Then reach out to those people around you. Make those relationships. Get connected. See it and then meet it for the glory of God and be known as a church where the love of God is vibrant in the hearts of the people of God and Demonstrated all over this city for the glory of God. Amen. Father, all of us are thankful this morning for this word from you, and we just uh, we don't want to make it. Difficult. We just want to go to the cross, remember Christ's love for us, bathe in it, and as we are overflowing with his love, give that to others, Lord. We don't have it in ourselves and our own puny souls to love others the way we're supposed to. So we pray that you'd help us. We pray that Serve 2010 would make a mark in our city. And we pray you'd continue to use Charles Ware wherever he goes. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.